0: Hey, this is Paul Doherty, I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I wanna thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you, I hope it builds your faith, I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. I wanna share a message to you today that I think the world really needs to hear. And I heard the statistic that 4.4 billion people in the world do not feel loved. They do not feel accepted. They do not feel uh, like anybody cares about them. They they, they come into work, they go to school, they're on their campus, they're in their home, and they don't feel loved. And so the message today that I wanna bring to you in this series we've been in on St. Paul is nothing but love. Turn to the person next to you and say, I got nothing but love for you. (laughs) Say, God has nothing but love for you. Nothing but love. Love, and if you have a Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, come on. 1 Corinthians 13. There's a, uh, growing up, my mom used to put little cartoon sketches on our, on our refrigerator from the newspaper, especially the Charlie Brown ones Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus. And there was one that was pretty funny. It was a, a Peanuts cartoon that showed Lucy standing with her arms crossed with a mean face. And Charlie Brown walks over to Lucy in the cartoon and he says, Lucy, You have to be more loving. The world really needs love. You gotta let yourself love to make this world a better place. Lucy angrily twirls around and punches Charlie in the face. (laughs) And she screams at him, look blockhead, the world I love, it's people that I can't stand. (laughs) And I think sometimes it's easy to love the world and it's hard to love people. It's hard to get along sometimes with people that drive you crazy and uh, people that rub you the wrong way. And Paul, St. Paul in the Bible, we've been going through his life in this series and I really was praying, I heard God say this series needs to take a turn. You've been focusing on what we can learn from his life, now I want you to focus on what we can learn from his teachings. And I really feel like the next few weeks, we're gonna dive deep into his teachings on the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, the armor of God, uh, what he has to say to uh, people that are called into ministry like Timothy. But today, we're gonna look at what he has to say about love and relationships. And he wrote to this church called Corinth. There was a church in Corinth, the city, that had kind of gotten their love out of whack. And they had gotten into immorality and a lot of bad sins. And then they started majoring on the supernatural gifts. They started getting excited about miracles and, and like speaking in tongues and um, angelic experiences where they would see angels. And it was like awesome, but they didn't get along with each other. And Paul said you've got everything out of whack, your, your theology is out of balance. And so 1 Corinthians 13 was written to this church, and I believe it's so pertinent for 2018 for the church at large today, because our society could use a little bit more love, amen? And so this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse one, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I've got my gong with me here today. Paul says, if you catch me speaking in tongues, but then turning around and being rude to my neighbor, here's what my tongues sound like to God's ears. That's annoying, right? That's like one of the most annoying sounds in the world. And yet Paul says, that's what we sound like in God's ears when we come to worship and we're like smiling and we're worshiping and yet we turn around and we start talking bad about another person, our worship sounds like this. Man, that's annoying. <laughs> right? And that's probably what God's saying. He's like, do you realize how annoyingly hypocritical you sound? Because you, you, you speak worship out of your lips, but then you speak hateful words to your brother." you discriminate against your sister you look down upon people that you are are you feel superior over and he says your love is out of whack paul says you can actually speak in tongues and miss the mark in following christ You could have uh, the most persuasive communication. He says, let's say I have the gift of prophecy and I love the prophetic words. I love hearing a good prophetic message. He says, "Let's, let's say I am smart, that I understand all the mysteries and have all the knowledge in the world. And let's say I have faith that can move mountains. Now listen, faith is important. We're sitting in a debt-free building because a lot of people walked by faith and not by sight and gave by faith. But Paul said, if faith is not built on the foundation of love, here's what your faith sounds like to the city. I'm so glad that we go to a church that's loving our community, that's loving our city, that we're not just a church that's so prideful in our faith, but we're a church that bleeds compassion. If you cut this church open, we're gonna bleed with compassion. We're gonna bleed with love for all people. That's what Paul was trying to get this church in Corinth to be. He said, listen, you've gotten so big on your knowledge. You've gotten so big on your faith. You've gotten so focused on supernatural experiences and awesome church services. But he says, if, if love is not in your church, then you're just a resounding gong in God's ears. You're just a clanging cymbal. You're, you're really doing nothing. He says, let's break it down even more. If I give all I possess to the poor, now hold on. Now Paul is separating extravagant generosity from love. He says you could have extravagant generosity, but if you don't love your neighbor, here's a, here's a good example. Let's say I'm I'm coming out in the church, and I'm walking out after service, after the 11 a.m. service, and I'm walking through the crowd, and, and people are walking out to their cars, and I say, you know, how are you doing? What can we do for you? And, and someone comes up to me and says, Pastor Paul, I know we haven't met. I'm new to the church, but my family's going through some tough times. Could you help us out? And let's say I give all that I have. Let's say I, I say, yeah, I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna give as much as I can. Here's all my money. But then I go home and I, I look at my wife and I get angry at Ashley and my kids come in the room and I get angry at my kids and I throw a desk down in the house Paul says you can be extravagantly generous to the world and still miss the mark at loving the people that are right in front of you. Oh, good. What good is it if we give all we have to the poor but we don't actually love our own family members? We don't love one another. 4.4 billion people in the world don't feel loved. That's 60% of the planet. How important is a message on love? It's the most important message we can be preaching in 2018. If all I preach is messages about you breaking free, getting out of your handcuffs, but then you go home and you slap your wife, and you cuss out your kids, and then you look at the mirror and you cuss yourself out, and you self-hate yourself, right? Then we're missing the mark at Christianity, because what good is it to break out of our bondages and then go home and be in the bondage of hatred towards people right in front of us? A lot of us get excited about the messages that are all about me succeeding, prospering, doing something awesome. And then when it comes to me loving my neighbor, it's like, I already know about this. This is for somebody else. I'm going to listen, but I'm not really going to listen. Today, I pray for no distractions because this is the most important message you could hear in 2018. We're in an uncivil time. I don't know if you're watching the news, but every single day there's stuff popping up about people hurting other people discriminating other people, being mean to other people. There's this spirit of divisiveness and hatred and offense. And Jesus said offenses are gonna be rampant in the last days. That means Jesus is coming back soon. And you know what he's coming back for? He's not coming back for a church where everybody can speak in tongues but not have love. He's not coming back for a church where everybody has the most incredible faith and understands all the mysteries of the scriptures with the most persuasive prophetic sermons. He's coming back for a church that when you cut them, they bleed love for every single human being in the world, that every single person, every gender, every lifestyle, every race, every tribe, every tongue deserves the love of God. That's the kind of church Jesus is looking for as a church that's so... Enraptured by the love of Jesus Christ, that it flows out of us. And I think most of our problems with people have less to do with them and more to do with what's going on in our own hearts. I remember going to look for a house with Ashley a few years ago, and we were driving through different neighborhoods with her parents, and and we got out, and I, I, I knew there was a few houses in this neighborhood we, we were gonna look at, so I said, Let's just park our car, we'll just walk to each house. So I went to one and I said, man, this one smells bad. Let's not go to this one. Let's, you know, let's keep going. So we walked down and go to the next one. I go, man, this one smells bad too. Let's go further down the neighborhood, get to the end of the neighborhood. And the whole neighborhood smelled bad. I was like, we gotta go to a whole different neighborhood. So we go to another different neighborhood and man, that neighborhood stunk too. And I was like, what's going on? I, this whole part of town stinks. So I was like, we gotta go to another part of town. So we go to another part of town and then I'm like, man, our whole city stinks. Finally, I lifted up my own shoe and I had stepped in dog poo-poo. And I was carrying the stink with me everywhere I went. And so everywhere I went stunk because I wasn't cleaning my own shoe. And could it be that everywhere you go stinks because you haven't cleaned your own shoes? Could it be that every marriage stinks, every church stinks, every believer stinks, but you just need to pick up your own shoe and go, maybe I'm carrying dog doo-doo in here. I was like, wow, I didn't know you were going to talk about dog doo-doo today. <laughs> but you need to be careful because whatever you carry into a place, that's, what's gonna, that's what it's going to smell like. There was a husband that kept going downstairs in his house and looking out the windows. And, and he said, man, our neighbors, their yard looks terrible. Their kids always look dirty. They had a clothing line in the backyard where they hung up their clothes to dry. And, and he said, do they even wash or clean their clothes? I mean, their clothes got stains and dirt all over them. And. And one day he comes downstairs and he goes, oh man, their kids finally look clean. Their clothes look nice, their yard looks good, there's no stains on those clothes. And the wife laughs, she goes, no, honey, I just finally cleaned our windows. I finally washed our own windows. See, here's what happens with our love walk. If we're not careful, we get so focused on all this other stuff, and and by the way, we're still sounding like that noisy gong, that clanging cymbal. But what happens is our heart starts out pure in life. But then over time, we go through difficulties. People say mean things to us. They do mean things to us. Someone cuts us off in traffic. Someone cusses us out. One of our family members rejects us. Someone close to us betrays us and we get dirty. And when we get dirty and we don't clean it, our love gets tainted. And so our heart, by the way, where is love cultivated and where is love destroyed? It's in the heart, it's in the heart, it's in the heart. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, guard your heart above every single part of your body because your heart springs the issues of life. Where relationships go bad is where someone's heart continues to walk through the pain and the mud. And there's a lot of mud going on in the world. And we go through these difficult things and our heart just gets dirty and dirty and we're not guarding it and we're not protecting it and we're not allowing God's love to clean it. Now, I like to make macaroni and cheese. Anybody like making macaroni and cheese? And what happens when when you get the water boiling and the noodles are in the water and they're boiling, the next thing you do is you, you pull this thing out, right? What's this called? Strainer. I need some help. Hey, Pastor AJ, will you come up here and help me? Give AJ a big hand. AJ, can you hold this and hold this bowl right underneath it? right in front of everyone so they can see it. Now, here's what happens. When I strain my mac and cheese, what happens? The water comes down and all that's left is the moisty noodles, ready for some butter and some cheese and a little bit of milk. Come on, somebody. I like some mac and cheese. But in the same way, when your heart gets dirty, when you're hurt by people that you thought were gonna be there for you, when they do mean things to you, when people say stuff to you, when they reject you, 4.4 billion people in the world don't feel loved. And hurt people hurt other people. And so when my heart's dirty and I'm mad and AJ doesn't even do much, all it takes is a little bit to tick someone off who's got dirt all over their heart. So they're very touchy. You're walking on pins and needles around these people. And I get mad at him. What I need to do to strain out the dirt is I need to let the water of God's word, God's love, God's presence, wash the dirt, to strain it so that my heart can be clean. When you're in church and you're allowing God's love to flow through you, by the way, you know, God is love. First John four, verse eight, if you're looking for a definition of love, God is love. And Jesus said, the greatest thing that you could do in this world is love one another. The chief commandment is not speak in tongues, and it's not a bad thing, it's a great thing, but it's not the chief commandment. The chief commandment is not to prophesy, it's not a great thing, he said you should pursue that gift, but he said the most important thing you should pursue is love, pursue love. Romans 13 verse eight says, let no debt remain except for the outstanding debt to love one another. How do I love? I let God's love wash all the dirt all the wounds, all the betrayals, so that I can love my brother the way that God loves me. Give A.J. a big hand. So what does it look like to love from a pure place? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse four, the kind of love, the agape love that God has for us, there's four kinds of loves. There's Eros, which is romantic love. It's me and my wife. There's Philea love, that's brotherly love. There's Storge love, that's the family kind of love. And then there's Agape love. Agape love is a decision, it's a choice, it's unconditional. In other words, it's not me reacting to what you do to me. It is my choice to love you more than a feeling. Come on, somebody. Right? Love is more than a feeling, it is an action, it is a choice. It's not how I feel. I don't wake up and just go, well, I feel like loving my kids, so I guess I'll feed them today. (laughs) Well, I feel like loving my wife, so I guess, you know, I guess I'll do what I need to do as a husband. No, 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 it's a choice. And Paul says the kind of love that God has for you, it's a choice. It's every single day God loves you. And when that love gets inside you, first of all, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. How many of y'all use that passage at your wedding? Y'all are like, I don't remember, man. It's been a long time. <laughs> love never fails. So let's look at this just all together. Love does, and by the way, love does. It is an action. It's a verb. Love, love, love is a verb. It is not just an adjective, it's a verb. Love does walk in patience. How many of y'all, your patience gets tested by the people in your life? Okay, yeah. We can preach a whole sermon just on walking in patience with people. That's what Paul was talking about. My kids, man, they test my patience. A few weeks ago, my son Liam, he was just talking back to me, he was talking back to his mom, then he was hurting his little brother, and so we give our children spankings in 2018. We still believe in that. We believe that you can save a child's life by giving them a little spanking, a few spankings, on a daily basis. No, i kidding. i kidding. Only when necessary. Um, But that day, I had to give my child some pow-pows. And and it had just racked up. And by the end of the night, man, I was just exhausted. And so I just lay him down. I go, okay, Liam, night-night. And he goes, what about story time? I go, you know, you hurt your brother a lot. You did some stuff. And so we're going to lay you down early tonight. Come on, early bedtime. Thank you, Jesus. And um, y'all are like, that is mean. Hey, listen, he was really mean that day. So I start to walk out of the room, and he goes, Daddy, 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 I gotta tell you something. And I was like, what is it, Liam? And I walk back into the room, and he says, Daddy, come close, come close. I said, what is it? And he said, Daddy, you're the best daddy I've ever seen in the whole wide world. And I just felt so convicted. I you know, start tearing up, and I go, thanks, Liam. I go, you mean that? And uh, he was like, yeah, now what about me? I said, yeah, you're the best Liam in the whole wide world. The best four-year-old. And he goes, you mean that, Daddy? I said, yes, Liam. And he said, I love you forever. Will you sleep with me tonight? No, I'm not gonna sleep with you tonight, but I love you forever. And I was just thinking about how God's love never gives up on us, that even when we miss it, I'm so thankful my parents, they had patient love with me, that they recognized that all my immaturities are part of the process of growing up. Can you imagine if you know my mom and dad said, that's it, we're done with you, it's over, we're not going to love you anymore, you're no longer our child. And the sad thing is that happens in the world because people have not received the agape love in their heart. When you get God's love inside, you can't give something away that you don't have. And so on a daily basis, I've got to remind myself I'm loved by God. God loves me on my worst day. When I miss it, he still loves me when I'm impatient, when I'm not being the best dad, God still loves me as a good dad for me. He loves you today. He's with you. His love is kind. His love is kind. So I look about how, you know, when we walk in kindness with one another, we're never more like Jesus than when we treat people with kindness when you treat those people around you with kindness. There was a little boy named Shay who was special needs. And he was with his dad, they were walking through a park and they saw some boys playing baseball. And by the way, our boys' baseball team made it to state and they lost in the semifinals. but man, I'm proud of them, they went so far. But Shay, he wanted to play baseball and he saw some boys, Al, that were playing baseball. And uh, every time I ask Al how he's doing, what do you say? Supernaturally. Supernaturally. Come on, Al. I'm so thankful for Alan Pat Richardson. But, you know, I was, I was thinking about this story. Shea wanted to play baseball. He's special needs. He, you know, he sees these guys playing, and they were really good. And he says, God, God, come play. And so they looked at him, and at first, you know, these middle school boys, they were judgmental. They were really rude. They were like, ah. but one of the top players... All it takes is one one boy, one girl to take a stand to be kind to the kids in their classroom, to invite a kid to sit at your table at lunch. I think we get older and we practice the same bullying that we had when we were in junior high, high school. It's just like we never grew up. We never put away the childish bullying and the meanness. But this one boy who was one of the best players said, "Come on, Shay, you could play with us." And so, you know, Shay comes out there and he's making lots of mistakes getting towards the end of the game and and Shay was up to bat and um, and they all knew that you know no matter how slow they threw the ball Shay just wasn't going to hit it and so the pitcher was the one who accepted Shay he walked all the way off the mound got right in front of Shay and said Shay I'm going to throw it right here and, and all the players recognized what the guy was doing and so they were all in on it and he just laid it right up and Shay hits the ball and Pitcher starts trying to pick it up and he's fumbling, he's falling down. He says, Run, Shay, run. And all the boys they start throwing the ball and they're purposefully missing the ball. And Shay ran a home run. They started chanting, Shay, 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 Shay. They lifted him up over their shoulders. You can change the world when we when we treat people with kindness. Every day should be a Shay Day. Every day should be a day that I find a Shay in my life that I can show love to. I was at the gas station a few weeks ago walked in and just felt my heart to encourage the woman behind the desk. And man, when I did, she was just so thankful, tears streaming down her face. I could pick up that no one had been nice to her that day. This has happened multiple times where my wife and I will be at a restaurant and the waitress, you could tell she's just stressed out or the waiter stressed out. Everyone's, all the tables they're trying to cover and it's just a lot and, and some people aren't leaving any tips. And when we can just show kindness to people, man, we can show Jesus to people. When you can just say, man, I don't know the battles that you're walking through, but I'm going to walk in kindness towards you. And then it says love. Love rejoices in the truth. It always protects. And that word right there always protects is, is in, in connection with love covers a multitude of sins. When we love people, we're covering over their sins. I'm not broadcasting your mistakes on Facebook. I'm not telling everyone, guess what so-and-so did. Uh, love always trusts, I'm not suspicious, it always hopes, I'm believing the best in people, always perseveres. Love never gives up, but here's what love doesn't do. Love does not envy people. Love does not boast about itself. By the way, when you envy someone, it's because you've got a low value of yourself and you have a low value of God's love. You think God's love is only big enough to bless some people and that he's gonna not bless you. I can celebrate others when I have a view of God's abundant grace, that he can bless them and he can bless me. He can cause them to succeed, he can cause me to succeed, so I'm not gonna be envious. Boast, boastful, love is not boastful. Love does not pride itself over others. Love does not dishonor people. Remember, when your heart is clean, you're able to honor people better. Love does not seek selfish desires. Love does not get easily angered. You might have heard this story. There was an actor that was hired to play the part of Jesus in the Passion Play out in the Ozarks near Branson, Missouri. Anyone ever been to the Passion Play before? It's kind of like our Easter play. And so this actor, he had just gotten hired on. He really needed the job. He's playing the part of Jesus. Well, one day a heckler shows up, starts heckling at Jesus, shouting obscenities at him. And man, Jesus just got ticked off. I mean, the actor who's playing Jesus, he drops the cross, walks over the heckler, punches him in the face and goes back and picks up the cross. The director sits down with him, CJ, and he's like, listen, sir, I can't have my actors, especially Jesus, Punching the audience members, and he goes, But man, listen, that guy was really heckling me. He was shouting mean things at me, he was totally cussing me out. And he said, Yeah, yeah, but I can't have Jesus punching people, bro. He said, I'm gonna have to fire you. He goes, Please don't fire me. I need this job, man. I lost my last job. Please let me keep this job. I really need this money. And he's like, Okay, all right, all right. I'll let you one more chance. So the next day, the heckler comes back, and man, he's worse than before. He's just shouting mean stuff, and Jesus is telling himself, don't do it, don't do it, don't punch him. But the actor, you know, he's just getting frustrated. Finally, the heckler gets so close, Jesus drops the cross again, punches him in the face. The director said, it's over, you're done, I can't have you. And I wonder if some of us are, are good at acting, but when push comes to shove, all of a sudden, the real, the real hurt comes out because we haven't been dealing with the pain. We're good at acting like Jesus, so one side, one side looks clean, but the second someone starts touching the areas that I don't want them to mess with in my life, the second someone starts messing with me, talking about my mama, oh, you don't want this side to come out. This side, this side is crazy. There's two parts of me. You don't wanna see this part of me. Can God clean all of you? Can he have all of your heart? Can he help you to love the least of these? Can he help you to love the people that treat you the worst? Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of other sins. So I'm not tallying up the score going, AJ, you did this last year, you did this last month. I've got, I've got 10 scores of the times that you missed it. Love keeps no record of wrong. Some of us are great bookkeepers on other people's sins and we just need to go to the fireplace and throw it into the fire and say, I'm letting it all go. I'm forgiving them. I'm not gonna hold it against them anymore. Why? Because it taints our love. It prevents us from receiving love and it prevents us from giving love. Everybody say, let it go. Let it go. Because what the world needs now is love. That's the only thing that there's just too little of what the world needs needs now is love, Jesus. not just for some but for everyone come on church give yourselves a hand all you need is love and we all need love we all need God's love the world could use some more love so Paul says love is greater than all these other things. I wanna show you this other slide that kinda just sums up that love is greater than all the other stuff we could possess. Love is greater than speaking in tongues, Paul says. Love is greater than persuasive speech. Love is greater than powerful communicators. Love is greater than prophecy. Love is greater than extravagant generosity. Love is greater than charity of any kind. Love is greater than highly being knowledgeable. Love is greater than faith that can move mountains. Love is greater than suffering. He says you could actually turn your body over to the flames, but if you don't love your neighbor, and people would say, who's my neighbor? And Jesus would use stories like the Good Samaritan to say, everyone's your neighbor. How you treat everyone is how I want you to treat everyone. How you treat everyone that's in front of you is how I want, I want you to treat everyone with love. Either we believe the scriptures are true or we've created our own theology that's totally opposite from the scriptures. Paul said, don't, don't blow things up that are bigger to make them bigger, they're good. So this is what he says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13. After defining what love looks like, he says, where there's prophecies, they will cease. Where there's tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it's gonna pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. So that means every time I speak, there's something missing. Every time you hear a great anyone speak, however great of a speaker they are, there's always gonna be something missing because we're on one side of eternity. Someday, the completeness will come, and the completeness is when Christ returns. He's coming back soon. He says, what is in part will disappear. So there's stuff that we're doing now that one day is no longer gonna be around. He says, when I was a kid, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childish things. Put it behind me. Some of us are still holding on to childish love. I don't wanna grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid, right? We don't wanna leave Neverland. We just wanna stay in Neverland. I don't wanna grow up. I wanna be like Peter Pan. And God says, you need to grow up. Stop making life all about you. Stop being selfish. Stop holding on to petty little offenses. Stop making everybody walk on pins and needles around you. Don't be overly sensitive. Just let things roll off your back. Have thick skin and a soft heart. Be kind to one another. Treat everyone with respect, regardless of how they look, regardless of what they do, regardless of what lifestyle they're in. I'm so thankful for a church that accepts everybody through the doors. Anyone is welcome at victory. Whatever life you've been living, come. Come. Come just as you are. And watch what God can do. As you come, no matter what you bring in here with, as you come, what God's going to do is he's going to continue to wash every part of you that he needs to clean we don't clean God cleans what we do is love and as we love God begins to wash and clean us to be who he's made us to be so he says all of this stuff it's time to put it behind us the next verse he says now we only see in a reflection as in a mirror then we will see face to face now I know in part but I will know fully one day as I am fully known by Christ and now these three things remain let's say this together faith hope and and love, and the greatest of these is Come on, we just covered an entire chapter in the Bible, First Corinthians 13. You just had a great Bible lesson today. You know, I know that at the end of the day, we can talk all about love, but it's how we treat people that matters. All of us can talk a good talk, but it's how we walk. It's how I walk out these doors. It's how you walk out these doors. It's how you treat the people that are right in front of you. All of us have a chance to do that. God's counting on us to show people the real Jesus, to show people real love. I wanna end today by showing you a testimony of what this chapter has done in a person's life. Not just through me, but through other people that have been a part of his life. And just to give you a little backstory, this guy, I moved next door to this guy nine years ago. My wife and I got married, and. We moved into an apartment condo area right here in Tulsa, and I saw these two little boys that were the same age as me and my brother, uh, as far as they were about a year apart from each other, Daniel and Matthew, and they were playing football, and I went outside, started playing with them right there in the field. And little did I know God was gonna use me in a significant way to impact this little boy's life. He was going to Jinx at the time, and, and God had a plan for where he was called to be and, um, and what God wanted to do. God uses all of us to touch those people that are all around us. I want you to watch this story about Daniel Patterson. Check this out. And I want you to hear from my friend Daniel Patterson. Stand up here, Daniel. He's a junior, about to become a senior. Some of y'all don't know this, but Daniel uh, was my next door neighbor. And um, it actually, it's interesting when Ashley and I got married. Um, eight and a half years ago, we moved into the benchmark condominiums, 91st and Yale, right behind Whole Foods. And there was these two little boys playing football out on the uh, field out there, right in front of our apartment condo. And it was Daniel and his brother, Matthew. And um, I went out there and they asked me to play football with them. So I played. We played catch and we would do that ever so often. Sometimes i picked him up from Jinx when he needed a ride from Jinx and he was in middle school there and his brother... Then Ashley and I moved out of the Benchmark condominium um, after we had lived there for about three years, and we moved to another neighborhood just a mile and a half down the street on Sheridan. Well, when we moved into this new neighborhood, lo and behold, our, our next door neighbors were Daniel's grandparents. We had no clue. So all of a sudden, Daniel's like coming over, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, well... Turns out that my grandparents are your next door neighbors. I was like, are you serious? So then uh, his grandparents went on to be uh, with the Lord. They um, passed away and they gave the house to Daniel and his mom and brother. And um, I was there during that time when his brother also passed away and uh, got to be there with Daniel. And I remember many times just, you know, Daniel and I talking on his front yard or on the basketball um, goal on his front yard right there on his driveway. And we would talk about his dream of playing basketball and potentially someday going to Victor Christian School. He was at Jinx and we prayed. And um, I said, hey, there's an open house coming up soon. This was a couple years ago. I said, there's an open house at Victor Christian School. You should go to it. So him and his mom went to it. And he like calls me afterwards. He's like, what the heck? Are you kidding me? He's like, did you tell them I was coming? I was like, no, I didn't tell them you were coming. He was like, no, no, you must have told them because I just won the scholarship to go to Victory Christian Woo! School. I said, what? And I start, I start crying because I've been praying for this guy after what he walked through with his brother, I've been praying for his family. And um, when he told me that he had the scholarship to Victory Christian School, man, I just was overwhelmed with joy. And uh, he said, I'm going, I'm going to Victory Christian School that, this next year. And, um, and then he went on the missions trail. And then just two weeks ago, he's in Promenade Mall sharing his testimony in the mall, leading people to Christ. I want you to just share what you shared in the Promenade Mall. I wasn't there, but I heard people come up to me and say, dude, <laughs> your, your, your neighbor, Daniel, was like preaching. So
1: can you just share it with the whole school today? Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, at the Promenade Mall... <laughs> God is so good. Um, I've been talking to Dr. Royale for the past month and asking him to share my testimony, but I was never able to. And I've been asking God for you to let me share my testimony. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sounds like God to me. Uh, Okay. um, So, three years ago, um, I was just a normal kid. I played football at Jinx, and I was this normal kid, then I came home, and my, my brother, he wrote a suicide note. And, and after that, I'm like, he promised me that he would never do anything like that. Uh, six months later, um, he, uh, he, uh, he killed himself, and after that, it was one of the toughest seasons of my life, um, I went through a severe depression, I had the major suicidal thoughts. Uh, I almost went to a place called Shadow Mountain, a place where Irish teens, I didn't go, but I almost did. Uh, I had severe trust issues, like I, I couldn't trust anybody because of my brother lying to me. And I had these uh, severe panic attacks where I would not move for hours at a time. And at this point, my life was a complete wreck. But at the same time, God's love was reckless for me. That's right. God led me to victory, and um, I started going here. And uh, ever since then, dude, I started going to victory youth, and I realized the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus, not just a checklist, going to church, reading your Bible, but knowing Him personally. And ever since I did that, going to victory youth, I had no more depression, I had no more suicidal thoughts. And my life, I had no more panic attacks, I could actually trust people. And my life was just completely changing. And um, so, two things, to, yeah, this. Um, number one, uh, God, God's called me to share my testimony to be a pastor. So, I've been sharing my testimony, I've been preaching that here at the Little kid Chapel in my church. So I would say, I encourage you guys, God wants to use you where you're at and ask yourself, what light can you bring to this world and are you sharing it? Yes. And um, here's the second thing. I wanna let you know that God accepts you for who you are. Whenever I weakened my life to God, my life was a depression, I had suicidal thoughts, I was deep to pornography, I had all these wrong things, but God accepted me for who I was and maybe you're out there today and you're like, man, I, I sinned. I went off the wrong path. And I so let you know that God accepts you for who you are, yeah. and that He loves you for who you are. Yeah.
0: It's powerful. been crying a lot since we had our third kid and allergies also just make me cry. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I do. I, the allergies have been making me cry a lot. It's the allergies. But Daniel Daniel is I don't know if he's here but I remember when we moved into the, uh, the condo area and just watching him and his brother play football and a couple times picking him up from Jinx and it just felt like God was like, pay attention to this kid, pay attention to this neighbor. Then we moved out, moved to another neighborhood, and there he is again. I'm going, what are you doing here? My, my grandparents are right next door to you. God, once again, pay attention to this guy, pay attention to this, this young boy. I remember going to the hospital when his brother committed suicide, and being in the room with him, looking at his brother on the, on the bed. Here's a 16-year-old boy who ended his life because he didn't feel loved. How important is a message on love? It's the most important message we can be working on right now as a church. Sometimes I don't want to talk about it because I feel like, well, everybody knows about love. What can I say new about love? And God's like, no, no, Paul. It's so important. Everybody in the world deals with rejection, with insecurities, with feeling unaccepted by their family, with feeling not good enough by their employer, feeling like they're always letting everyone down that 16 year old boy, Daniel's brother ended his life. And I remember God saying, you've gotta pour into Daniel. Cause I just felt Daniel, he said it in the video, he was dealing with now his own suicidal thoughts. And every day I'd come home and I would be tired and I'd go inside my, head, my, my house and I'd wanna just go to bed and God say, go outside. Daniel, I would hear the basketball outside cause our, our house, we can hear everything. So I knew he was playing basketball right outside. So I go next door and talk to him. Then the day he calls me and he goes, what in the world? You rigged everything. I got the scholarship. I go, I didn't rig anything. That was God, Daniel. God did that. That wasn't me. he's like, are you serious? I still think you did it. I go, no, it was God. Can I tell you today, God's marked you. He's marked you with his love. I was meeting with a young single guy this last week who's going to pastor a church in St. Louis and And um, he was telling me how he's been in Tulsa and how he still hasn't gotten married yet. So I posted on Instagram, hey, this dude's anointed and he's single, by the way, ladies. And he sent me a message later that night, LOL. He goes, I'm getting all these new follows on Instagram. He goes, bro, you made me a marked man. I said, you are a marked man. You're marked by God's love. And, And I want you to know today, God has singled you out. He's got special things in your future. He's not finished with you yet. He loves you. And his love is not meant to stay just with you. It's meant to be shared. God placed Ashley and I in that neighborhood, in the neighborhood we're in right now, specifically for Daniel. There's Daniels in your life that are waiting for you to pour into them. They're waiting for you to love them, to accept them, to sit down. And here's what love looks like. It's words, so I'm encouraging them. It's, so it's text messages, it's any way to communicate, I, bro, you're awesome, you're a mighty man of God, it's my body language, it's my actions. I want you to stand your feet all over this room as we get ready to dismiss. If you're here right now and maybe you feel hurt, maybe you feel wounded, we're gonna dismiss in just one minute but I want you to see this again. What was happening in Daniel's life is God was straining out the wounds, the hurts, the insecurities, that Daniel had been hurt by life, his brother's suicide, his his family, all the stuff they had walked through, the the labels that people had said over him. But what God was doing is God was saying, Daniel, just come right here. Come right here in the presence of God. The love of God is gonna wash over you. And I'm gonna show you who you are. I'm gonna purify your heart. Today is your day. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you wanna just come down to the altar, you can. But if you're here today and you say, Paul, I need God's love. I need his forgiveness. I've been beating myself up. I've been making all these negative words and thoughts. Today's your day to receive his love. If that's you, raise your hand. All over this place, you're saying, I need more of God's love flowing in me, flowing through me. Hands are going up all over this place. Maybe you need to forgive your mom. Maybe you need to forgive your son. Maybe you need to forgive your husband. Maybe you need to forgive your ex. Today's your day to do that. You say, man, I need forgiveness. I need to forgive some people that have hurt me. I need to forgive myself. If you're raising your hand, just step down to the altar. Come and join me. What the world needs now is God's love. More than ever before, there's people at your school, at your workplace. Half of the world is waiting for someone to love them. And today, you've got to get God's love inside you. Let the love of God wash you. Timmy's just going to lead us in this chorus. And let's just begin to sing all over this place. Come down to the altar today if you need to surrender, if you need to get God's love inside you. He's for you, he's not against you. you. He loves you, he's washing you, you. he's cleansing your heart. He's helping you to forgive yourself. He's helping you to let go of every wound, every every hurt, every offense. He's saying, let it go, let it go, let it go. Forgive, love, let it flow, let it flow it never
2: gives up. It never runs out on me. There's room at this altar you. There's room at this altar for you. It never runs out on me. He loves never you. He loves you never runs out on me. He forgives.
0: city. And I want you to go out and love people with your words, with your actions. Look for somebody who could use a hug this week in your office, in your family. Just go and give them a hug. Maybe you're not that kind of person, but just go up, give them a side hug, give them a handshake. Just say you're a champion. You're doing better than you think you're doing. God's with you. He's for you. Just be surprised by the love of God that's going to flow through you. Send a text message today. Say, I love to someone this week show the love of God the world needs that it could change the world forever let's pray this together say Jesus thank you for your love thank you for loving me thank you for being patient with me being kind to me showing me how to love others thank you for your forgiveness. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead to give me life, to show me love, nothing but love. Lord, wash my heart from all the wounds, the offenses, the labels, the hurts. Reduce me to love. Reduce me to love, nothing but love. Help me to love people the way you love me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, church. God loves you. Go love each other.